Good morning on this Reformation Sunday. Our gospel reading today comes from the 8th chapter of John. Glory to you, O Lord. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The Gospel of our Lord. Oh, I want to invite you to join me this morning as we pray the Holy Spirit prayer in our time of meditation today. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit sets the hearts of the faithful, grant that by that same Holy Spirit we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice his consolations through Christ our Lord. Amen. Every year on Reformation Sunday, and I was just going to find that real quick. Of course, I can't find it immediately, but it's here. Oh, there it is. I don't know if you knew, but uh, this in the front of your green hymnal, and this is on page 36 and pages prior to that, if you ever want to know or get an idea of what the readings for a particular Sunday are going to be, you can find those in the front of the green hymnal. Uh, and one of the things that you'll notice that this says right here, you can all see it really well, it says Reformation Day. And normally there's three columns. There's a column for year A, year B, and year C. Well, for Reformation Sunday, there's only one column. And you'll notice that the same scripture passages are the same every single year. So, you know, again, I'm just trying to introduce to you a little reference, a little uh, tool that is available to you. But you'll notice, again, that every year on Reformation Sunday, the scripture passages are the same. And so, as a pastor, I find myself asking myself the question, what is a working preacher to do? What can be said this year that has not already been said in previous years? What fresh new insights or new perspectives on this gospel are there to explore or to consider? Or at least that seems to be the expectation that y'all want to hear something different, you know. Now, maybe, just maybe, I could pull out a sermon that I preached about seven years ago and you wouldn't have the slightest idea what I preached, right? None of you remember what I preached on seven years ago, right? <clears throat> well... Maybe perhaps you might pick up on a couple of phrases because there are things that I oftentimes repeat. And you know what? It's okay to do that because I don't know if you noticed those quotes that were up here before the service today. We had multiple quotes from Martin Luther. Martin Luther was one who said that every week I preach justification by faith to the people in the parish because every week they forget it, including myself. We need to be reminded again and again and again that we are justified by faith through grace. 
The words that spoke to me and gave me some inspiration for today's meditation are found in verses 35 and 36 where Jesus says, The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Of course, most of you know that South Dakota is my roots. And I enjoy to South Dakota. Now, if you were to ask my wife, Kim, whether she enjoys going back to South Dakota, she would probably have a differing feeling about that. I love returning to South Dakota. It's, it's, it's where I grew up. It's, it's a part of, major part of my, my history and my life. And usually when I go back, almost every time I go back to South Dakota, I go back and visit a high school friend of mine, Doug, and his wife, Cindy. And I have returned to their home more times than I can remember. And oftentimes I'll go back to South Dakota in the fall. And when I do go back there during that time of year, I either go back to do some waterfowl hunting or some pheasant hunting or a little bit of both. I even returned a few times in the middle of the winter so that Doug and I could spend some quality time in his fish shack sitting, in, sitting over the top of a hole on the ice and have ice fishing. Yeah. I can also tell you that Doug loves to cook. And I can tell you that I have never been disappointed by any of his culinary creations. And there has always been more than enough food to go around. You, you will not go hungry if you go and stay at Doug and Cindy's house. You will not go hungry. I can also tell you that because of our relationship that we've had now since high school, even before that, Doug was one of my, one of my uh, kids that I grew up with in my neighborhood, even in elementary school. I can tell you because of that, that our conversations are always frank, they're straightforward, they're honest, they're respectful, and because of that lifelong friendship of mutual love and concern for each other, there's this sense of freedom. You understand what I'm saying? There's a sense of freedom. And and, and that's a freedom that you only have with certain people in your life. I, I, I think you might know what I'm saying here. And that true freedom is because of the relationship that we've had over all of these years. You know, I can't explain how I feel when I visit with them other than to say that I have always felt and I know that I am welcomed in their home and I am welcomed into their home with unconditional love and acceptance. Their home is not my permanent place. And yet they make me feel as though whatever is there in their home. It is there for me to enjoy and for me to inhabit as if it were my own home. And you don't find that very often, do you? You don't find that kind of generosity, that kind of hospitality. That is a very, very special relationship. To be a guest in someone else's home that's not your own and to be treated in that such a special way And I know that I've had those experiences with a few other people in my life, not very many. But the one thing that I think makes for that whole dynamic is the fact that these people, especially when I think about Doug and Cindy, Doug and Cindy, they know me. They know me. And I can tell you with absolute certainty, you don't know me. You don't know me. You know a little bit about me, but you really don't know me. But Doug and Cindy know me. They know my humanity. They know my shortcomings. They know my brokenness. 
They know my impatience, my times when I feel and sense and have despair. They know when I'm angry or frustrated. They know what makes me laugh. They know what makes me happy. To put it bluntly, they know my sin in a certain sense. They know my sin. They know my brokenness. They know my humanity. And yet they still, in the midst of that, they still extend grace and hospitality and welcome into their home. And I am blessed by their gift of freedom that they extend to me. It is a freedom that allows me, when I'm at Doug and Cindy's house, I can just be myself. And that's freedom. Freedom to be myself. How many places can you just be yourself? Because I have these, this mutual relationship that nurtures a friendship and we have love for one another that uplifts and encourages one another, even in the midst of our brokenness and our humanity. I've been thinking about this whole household image of the son who has a permanent place there forever. And I want to use this space here today to kind of talk about that. In a certain sense, this sanctuary that you and I have entered into today, it is holy ground. Thank you for introducing that, Shelley. And this is one of the places that I believe that Jesus inhabits personally. Even when you and I aren't here, all you have to do is look around in this sanctuary and you see Jesus. Jesus is here. Jesus is in our stained glass windows. The story of the gospel of Jesus is right there in front of your eyes, told to you in stained glass. Jesus is present here through this cross that represents what happened to him. The story is on those pictures over there. We have this kind of wood etching. Most of you probably don't really even notice it very often because you just walk right out the door, but right over there, between those stained glass, there's kind of a wooden sculpture thing in there, and it's a face of Jesus, and it has a crown of thorns on it. Jesus is all over in this place, and that's just the imagery alone that's here, but I believe in my, in my understanding that this is a holy place, and that Jesus is here, and Jesus is here permanently, and Jesus will always be here whether we are or not. You know, I had a staff person back at Luther Point many years ago when I was a camp director there, and she never, she never, didn't matter how cold it was or how hot it was, it didn't matter. She never set foot into the chapel at Luther Point until she had removed her tennis shoes or her sandals. As a matter of fact, she got married at the Luther Point Chapel, barefoot and all. Beautiful wedding dress in bare feet. And if, I remember, if my memory serves me correctly, I believe that her husband-to-be also took his vows in bare feet. And you know, there are numerous, there's numerous places throughout Scripture that speak of holy places and holy spaces. And one of the most notable is from Exodus 3.5, when God is speaking with Moses and says, Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I don't know if you've given that much thought recently. You know, I think sometimes we just kind of go through the motions. You know, oh, it's Sunday morning. Oh, it's time to go to church. 
go to church, find my pew. You know, I got my assigned pew that I sit in, and that's what you do. I don't know if you've given it much thought recently at all, but when you enter into this space, you are entering into a place that is sacred, that is holy ground. And the one who has a permanent place in this space is Jesus. And we enter into this space again, perhaps unconsciously, but I'd like to think that we think about it a bit more consciously as we enter in, that we actually enter into this space with a sense of humility and a sense of surrender. And I know that I can't even begin to name all of the ways in which you come into this space, but some of you come into this space with a confident faith. Some of you come in here very hesitant about what it is that you believe or don't believe. Some of you come into this spaces with a sense of brokenness. Some of you are coming in here tired or hurt or scared. Some of you come in here with a great sense of despair, especially as we look around at our world right now. I had somebody text me this past week who said, I think we're facing World War III. You know, I mean, that's the kind of despair that's out there. I also know that some of you come into this space tremendously lonely. Did you know I found out a statistic this week? 25% of all Americans suffer from some form of loneliness. 25% of all Americans. That means that one quarter of you sitting here today have severe loneliness. And yet, isn't this the place where we need to name that? Isn't this one of those places where we can be honest about that? Isn't church the place where we should be able to be free with one another? And I know that there are some of you who have come here today in the midst of a broken relationship. And those are just a few of the adjectives and the, the realities of life that describe who we are when we enter into this holy space. And yet, I believe that we also enter into this holy space, we enter into this place with a sense of hope. And that we also enter into this place with a sense of having a promise. And one of those promises that we have is we have that baptismal identity where Jesus named us in our baptism and said, you are mine. Nothing will ever separate me from you because I have claimed you, I have sealed you, I have put my mark on you, and you will always be mine. You are a child of God. And yet we also know, because of our brokenness, that Martin Luther coined the phrase, simul justus et the peccator, Latin for you are simultaneously, in the eyes of Jesus, you are simultaneously saint and sinner. That's how we come. We come into this place simultaneously saint and sinner. And that's that paradox that you and I live with in our life. It's that tension that we live in in our faith life. No matter how you come, there is something here to, there's someone here who welcomes you. And that, per, that, that, that someone who welcomes you, it's Jesus. And Jesus welcomes you graciously into his household. And it is a house in which we are undeserving. We, by, we, we, there's nothing that we can do to deserve to come into his gracious presence. And yet, as Martin Luther often coined the phrase, we come as beggars. We come at the mercy and the grace of the one who invites us, invites us in. We come 
And I would like to think we come here with a spirit of humility, fully aware of our broken relationship with each other and with Jesus. All you got to do is look around at the world and watch the news. This world is full of brokenness. And you are part of that collective brokenness. And that's why you and I need to be here. And it's that same, that same brokenness, that same sinfulness that draws us to this holy space, this holy ground, because we long, we long, we long for a sense of wholeness and healing. Are you getting to know me a little bit? Are you getting to know my, the real me a little bit? The image that's given to us today is the image of a household. It's a household that is made possible by God alone. We're the only one who is truly righteous. The only one who is truly righteous, who has a permanent place here, is Jesus. I'm not just talking about this sanctuary. Y'all understand that Jesus is anywhere and everywhere. And yet, out of great, God's great love for us, out of great, God's great love for humanity, it was God's greatest desire. It has always been God's greatest desire that we should have a place and a home in that household. Our place and our acceptance into that household, it is only made possible through that sacrificial gift of Christ, who though he was without sin, Jesus was put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood. The Apostle Paul reminds us that Christ himself is righteous, and it is Christ who justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. You and I are given a place in the household of God because of Christ himself who is righteous, and it is Christ himself who justifies us who have faith in him. And we again are invited into the household of God. And as Martin Luther would say, to hear the words that we are justified through grace, by grace through faith in Christ alone. Christ alone. I'm sure you've heard the phrase by Martin Luther that's been coined numerous times. Word alone, faith alone, Christ alone. That's, that's how we live our lives. On this Reformation Sunday, the relentless Jesus, I love to think of Jesus as being relentless, who will not stop, will not stop. Nothing, absolutely nothing is going to stop Jesus from giving up on us. And the gracious Jesus who laid down his life for us, the Jesus who knows us, who knows our sin inward and backwards and forward, Jesus invites us in and extends his grace, his forgiveness and the gift of freedom through that grace. That's what freedom is. I'm going to end with quoting uh, the late Reverend Kent Knudsen. He was a former bishop of, of the ALC, the American Lutheran Church, eons ago, probably over 50 years ago. And these words, they are as pertinent and true today as they were when they were spoken 50 years ago. He says, if I live by the grace of God and not by anything else which I create in myself, then I am free. If I live by the grace of God and not by anything which I create in myself, then I am free. What is there that I must somehow grasp in my bosom as being mine if nothing in the end whatsoever is mine? 
It is all a gift from God. It is by that gr- this grace that we are made free. And if we, are, if, and if we can be free, he says, then we can go and we can serve. We can serve with boldness. We can serve with openness. We can serve with a readiness. And we can live in any age, in any generation, and face any task. When we really look at the gospel, the reality is we, we, we already have our permanent home with Jesus. We know that when this earthly vessel is gone from, this, from the face of this earth, that we are going to go on and live forever with Jesus. We already have our permanent home, and yet we get a taste of that right now. We have, because, because of our ongoing faith relationship with Jesus, we get a taste and a glimpse of that permanency even now. So I want to just invite you again and to remind you again that we are all guests in this household of God, this household that is the permanent home of Jesus. And I want to encourage you to live into the invitation of Christ's grace and his forgiveness and to live, as Martin Luther would say, justified by grace through faith in Jesus alone. Amen. I invite you to join me now as we pray the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Go forth from this place, refreshed and empowered to do the ministry to which God calls you. Travel lightly, for you carry within you all that you need. Notice God's presence in simple, everyday experiences. And when our opportunity arises, labor for the good of all. And may the, jo- may the joy of God, our creator, healer, and life giver, go with you today and always. Amen. Amen. Go in peace and tell what God has done. And thanks be to God.